You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1040 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. Before we dive into the show today, I want to tell you that the NBA draft is, of course, coming up very, very quickly. And NBA draft analyst Chad Ford, Locked On NBA draft host Rafael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA draft while it's happening. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021, brought to you by Bill Barr. Get local expert analysis on each and every pick. Follow the Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Today's show will be myself and Sam Vicini of The Athletic. Sam and I go way back. He's The Athletic's NBA Draft guru, and it's always a pleasure to talk to Sam. Before we get to that, though, some news to hit on from the last few days. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski reported a few days ago that the NBA and the Players Association have agreed to extend the play-in tournament format through next season, according to some sources, and the league's board of governors will make that official in a formal vote in the near future. Obviously, for the Hawks, they're looking to be well clear of that next season after their run this year. But even if you're a top two or three seed, as the Hawks are trying to be, of course, this matters because that also determines their opponent and the preparation, all that stuff for the playoffs. So last year, we were actually having to track because the Hawks were at least somewhat in the mix for the play-in until the last couple of weeks of the season. This year, they will hopefully be well clear of that if you're a Hawks fan, but they'll be looking to potentially be scouting their opponents in that play-in tournament. So that's coming back for another time, and that's uh, some relevant news in the NBA world. Also, um, not necessarily related, but kind of in the same vein, Bobby Marks reported of ESPN that the uh, this is sort of subject to a final agreement, but players have agreed to keep a majority of the current two-way rules for next year. Uh, that is according to ESPN's reporting. The one change, though, is that two-way players this year were actually just full-on eligible for the playoffs because of the pandemic and all that stuff and the changes. Um, it seems to me, according to this reporting from ESPN, that the two-way salaries will still stay up as high as they were. Maybe the other guys will be able to travel with the team without the day requirements or the day restrictions. But this time around, they'd have to actually convert guys to be eligible for the playoffs. Obviously, by the stretch run this year, the Hawks were able to put in Skylar Mays and Nathan Knight in garbage time, and they were on the roster. Whereas I'm sure they'll fill those slots with either Mays or Knight or maybe they'll promote those guys and send them somebody else. But the two-way rules are interesting. They're not always the most like impactful, but um, this year they were able to basically use a 17-man roster without any kind of um, you know restriction of any kind. Uh, we'll see what happens next year, but keep that in mind as the Hawks might be uh, leaning into some um, some depth stuff. By you know second-round pick could be on a two-way contract, etc. It's a good way to build out your depth. And with College Park presumably playing a full season next year, unlike what they did this year, that'd be pretty interesting to see how they use that back and forth maybe differently than they did last year. Um, that's it for news on the podcast. Obviously, we're getting very close to the NBA draft. We're nine days away as you're listening to this on Tuesday. It's next Thursday, um, so the 29th. That's coming up very, very rapidly. As a note before I get to Sam, Sam and I talked before Game 5 of the NBA Finals, so you'll actually hear in a second. We, uh, Sam kind of refers to Game 4. Um, sorry, refers to Game 5 in the NBA Finals. That was recorded before this, so I'm sort of on a schedule crunch right now. I'm going to be traveling for part of the week of the draft, so I'm trying to bank some episodes and I'm a few days ahead, so that's why that is the case. And everything else should still be relevant, except for the fact that two prospect announcements, as we talked about yesterday on the show, Jared Butler is now cleared. That's good to hear. We do we do reference him once in this podcast. And then Rocco Prakachin, um, a guy that we talked about extensively 
uh, last week with PD Webb um, and, and with uh, Ben Pfeiffer is actually withdrawing from the draft, which is, which is somewhat of a surprising outcome. Um, I'm not sure he would have been really in the mix for the Hawks at 20, but certainly could have been. And uh, I think he might be a lottery pick next year if things go well. But he, he's, part, he's sort of the most high-profile name that's withdrawing from the draft. So, again, we didn't know that either. So keep that all in mind as you're listening to this podcast. But the uh, the lion's share of the data and all the information should still be relevant. And now that the withdrawal date has passed, hopefully not a whole lot going on in terms of changes between now and the draft. Just some scouting and visits and uh, the general madness that comes along with the NBA draft. All right, before we get to Sam, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models in the car or truck world, it's now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why would you endure often pointless questioning from someone at a storefront and have to wait while someone at the counter orders the parts on the computer, only choosing the brand that the warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com right now, both at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for all the audio and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need, just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is uniquely and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your car and choose the brands, specs, and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you went right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box to know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. I am joined now by a friend of the podcast and a friend of mine, Sam Vecini of The Athletic is here. Hello. How are you, sir? Brad, I'm doing well. I, I got some uh, some of the, the luck of the gods last night for my gambling portfolio because <laughs> I've been kind of assuming throughout the finals that like I thought I thought the Suns were going to win the series in five. Like I'm just going to be, you know, hand up was wrong. Right. Um, and I have a Bucks nine to one future that I've been just kind of like sitting on since like the end of the regular season, like started the playoffs, something like that, like before the Miami series. And because I thought the Suns were going to win and because the Suns were such a uh, heavy favorite, let's say, uh, to start the series, there wasn't really a good time to hedge yep. at all. And uh, because the Bucks won last night, there is a, a very real hedge opportunity here. So I appreciate the Milwaukee Bucks for uh, – for doing doing their good job last night. Good job by you. Yeah, coming in hot with uh, get with with future talk. This is why this is why this is why we get along, Sam. That's that's that was a great place to start the podcast. Um, see, see, like this is the this is the thing that like I know that you are like one of the few people that will understand that I talked to. Oh yeah, you have to uh, you got to look for your spots, man. That, that's now one of the, I think uh, you know is it Phoenix like one, minus one fifty now? So that's like they're they're still favored, yeah. but not by much. So that's a good opportunity for you. Yep. Write it off a little bit. Um, all right. Well, obviously, we'll talk some draft in a second. I do want to ask you because I know you observe the NBA as well. Kind of what you think of the Hawks right now after their uh, their their trip to the NBA's Final Four, and noting that they can br- they can bring back almost anyone. The John Collins thing is sitting out there, but where's your head at now with the Hawks uh, pre-draft? Yeah, so I've been bullish on the Hawks for a long time now. Right. Uh, there hasn't really been a world where like I've, I've long been very bullish on Trey. I really like Kevin Herter. I really like Cam Reddish. I really like DeAndre Hunter. Right. Um, getting in the vets. I thought it was honestly a year early coming into the year, but it, it very clearly worked out. I'm I'm of two minds on where Milwaukee is right now. Uh, like, let, let's say that 
Miami wins one extra game this year, right? And ends up at the five seed level. And Atlanta, you know, battles with Milwaukee in the first round. They take it to a long series and you know, they, they lose in the first round, right? I do wonder if the conversation surrounding Atlanta would be slightly different right now in terms of like where they are on their trajectory. Like I think that the margins on these things are so slim that I think Atlanta still has a ways to go to being a genuine contender in the Eastern conference. But I think they're one of the few teams building something in the Eastern conference to where I'm like, okay, they actually do have a shot within the next couple years to get there. I do, like, I, I wouldn't say, though, that they're one of the three best teams in the East still, uh, even though they beat the Philadelphia 76ers. Like, I, I still, you know, in my heart of hearts, believe that, you know, once 76ers likely move Ben Simmons for a haul this summer, they're probably going to be a little bit better positioned going forward than the Hawks for the next couple years. But the beauty of where Atlanta sits right now is that, that if they re-sign John Collins, if they re-sign Kevin Herter to an extension this summer, uh, you know they have a long window to really go about trying to compete. Yeah, it helps to have uh, multiple avenues, and you know they're uh, famously set up for a consolidation trade if one ever arrives for them. Uh, I'm not sure who that guy's going to be. People always ask me who it's going to be, and I don't know. But they do have the pieces if they finally have the opportunity to kind of push them into the middle. Right now, they don't have to do that. But as you well know, uh, most teams don't just keep everyone that they have. Uh, they're young guys, and the Hawks, yeah. to their to their grand credit, Travis Schlenk has basically nailed every draft pick he's made other than Amari Spellman so far. <laughs> so it's going well. Yeah. Yeah, hot take. Travis Schlenk is really good. Like, I I never understood the concern w- with Schlenk being like they're coming into the year. Like, there were genuine questions, right? Like, I'm not making that up. Like, you would see the takes. Like, is Travis actually good at this, right? Yeah, it, it was mostly um, people thinking. Lloyd was on the hot seat, but also like once that was going to happen, the, sh- the shift usually goes to the decision maker. Like you get one higher and then, it's, right. then it's back on you. So yeah, it feels like a long time ago now, but you're right. That was at least kind of out there. Yeah. But like, he's always been good. Like this is kind of the thing that I'm getting at, I guess. Like Tra- Travis Schlenk is one of the best evaluators in the NBA, in my opinion. Like you just look at his track record. It is exceptional throughout the course of his career. And I think that some of the questions that people had were like, is he pushing in too early? I mean, maybe, maybe he did, but at the same token, like I do think that was probably a directive from ownership in some regard, right? Like I know that ownership in Atlanta has wanted to win for a while. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, when you have someone like Travis Schlenk running the show, I think that, you know, you're going to get all of the small decisions for the most part, right. And most of the big decisions, right. Um, it's just winning an NBA title is really fucking hard. Like it just is. And whether or not, uh, like Sam Presti is one of the smartest people on planet earth, uh, within the basketball community. And, you know, he still has not won an NBA title. It's just really hard. Uh, the butterfly effect of moves and the level of luck that's required in this industry is, the, it's really just incalculable in so many ways. And uh, I, I think that Atlanta fans should feel pretty good about the fact that they have someone uh, in charge who is going to at least make the right decisions, I think, to position them to continue to compete and contend over the course of the next five, six years. That's well said. Um, 
obviously I'm going to ask you about some draft uh, players in particular, guys who might be in the Hawks range. But more more broadly, how do you think the Hawks should approach the draft and this class? You know, they pick at 20 and 48. They, they're comfortable in this range. They picked, you know, at 19 twice already in the Schlenk era. Uh, what's this class yeah. shaping up like in the middle of the first round? And how, how should they approach it in your mind? Yeah, it's tough. Uh, it's definitely an eye of the beholder class. There are, because so many young players have decided to enter this class, maybe before they were productive or maybe before uh, they were quite ready. Uh, and because so many older players over the course of the last three, four years have departed college basketball at rates higher than what we'd seen previously, I think that what we're seeing is more unfinished products entering entering the NBA. Uh, like John Collins is a guy that they took right around 19. You know, I think Kevin Herter was number 19. Um, like both of those guys had a two-year track record in college. John Collins was one of the most productive players in college basketball. Kevin Herter had a just very easily translatable skill set to the NBA. Uh, both of those guys, like the, there was a real, there's a real sense of what you're going to get from them. Like, so, so let's just take the guy I have at number 20 on my board, Keon Johnson, right? Like Keon Johnson might go much higher than this, by the way, but I, I'm very, I'm a little bit skeptical on his game overall, uh, despite coming into the year being like an enormous fan of what I saw at high school levels. Um, I, I don't know if Keon Johnson's going to do anything but defend. Uh, he doesn't have a great handle. He turns it over a ton right now and can't shoot. He's also maybe the best athlete in this class and can get by anyone like with his first step whenever he wants and can rise above and dunk on anyone whenever he wants. But the NBA is such a skill game now that where he goes in his career is going to be dependent on things that he can work toward improving. So I think that there are just a lot of guys like Keon Johnson in this class where the way that they go about developing themselves and the way that teams go about developing them is going to play such an exceptional role on just when we look back at this class, who the best players are. I think it's, uh, it's a very complicated draft process and a very complicated pool of players to go about evaluating. That that seems to track too. From you know, I'm not on the on the level of what you've been doing, but even what I'm what I'm looking at, it seems to make sense what you're saying. And also, the Hawks are in a position where um, not that any team should be picking for need at number twenty, but the Hawks um, are deep. And I've been saying this. I wonder if you agree. Like whoever they take is not likely to be like in their rotation in the playoffs next year. <laughs> it's just not a thing. Yeah. Like you're not. Obviously, you hope that is the case, and hope the guy blow got, hope the guy blows up. But they already have nine, ten guys that they trust, and no real weaknesses other than backup point guard. And as you well know, rookie point guards uh, not always great, so you can't make on that necessarily yep. either. So, does it make sense that like the Hawks can just kind of go best player available? Like obviously taking system into account, but uh, is that kind of what you'd be looking to do if you were Atlanta in this class? Is just take the guy that you want and kind of figure it out later? Yeah, I, I mean, like to put the, you know, take the veil behind the curtain or whatever the hell that <laughs> phrase is. Um, so I'm doing a team needs story right now, just like running through like what I see is like the one specific thing that every team needs right now. And for Atlanta, I would say that like it's backup point guard. But like what I even wrote in the blurb was 
you know, this seems like pretty set if they retain John Collins. Like, I, I do think that there's a world where if they decide not to retain John Collins, they could go about, like, trying to select a big man and solidifying the big man, like, rotation moving forward. Because if they don't retain John Collins and Clint Capella was to get hurt, I have zero faith in, like, Bruno Fernando. And uh, I have a little bit of faith in Nate Knight, but uh, they could use one more guy. Right. Yes. But that's only if John Collins leaves. So they have to make a call on like what they're going to do with Collins, I think, ahead of the draft. Um, as long as that doesn't happen, though, like, yeah, you just take the best guy, I think. Like, it's not uh, they're in a very enviable position where um, they're not like the Knicks who have both of the picks surrounding them. Right. In 19 and 21. Like, I, I would be surprised if the Knicks don't come out of the 2021 draft with a point guard, either via trading for one yeah. or, you know, via selecting one. Yeah, and the Hawks, I've been saying, I don't, I don't think they have to take one. Uh, you know, they have to get one somewhere, whether it be bringing back Lou Williams or signing a guy with part of the mid-level or something. But, um, you know, I'm skeptical that you just draft a guy at 20 and that's your backup point guard next year, like full stop, uh, especially because... Yeah, a lot of the guys in that range, are they even point guards? Like they're, they they kind of are. Like, but you know, your Trey Man types yeah. or whoever you want to say, like a lot of these guys are like kind of combos. And maybe that's not a bad thing, but it's also um, the rookie translation of point guard is uh, a steep a steep hill to climb usually. Yeah, there, there are really only two guys that I see as like having potential to maybe get there. Uh, I, and this is like I don't really think of Jaden Springer as a point guard. Yeah. at all uh so like let's remove him a little I, bit i agree um yeah so Maz mcbride is one for me uh would be a really interesting change of pace i think with trey young you know somewhere between six foot two and six foot three has like a six foot nine wingspan is probably the second best point of attack perimeter defender on lead guards in this class behind davion mitchell you, you look at that skill set and it would be a nice compliment to Trey Young. Having said that, you know, Miles McBride's been playing like a spread scheme offense for like 15 games. Like that, that the West Virginia scheme up until the back half of West Virginia's season after Oscar Shibway decided to transfer and they moved to more of a four out scheme and where he was learning to make reads and was learning to make those cross corner kickouts and was learning to uh, run ball screens constantly, constantly instead of and finding good shots as opposed to settling for mid range jumpers because the lane was clogged because they had Derek Culver and Oscar Shibway on the court. I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to really navigate like offensive basketball at the NBA level. I think he's going to be really good. I think he's probably going to be like a starting caliber point guard at some point in his career. I just think it's going to take like a year and a half before he's like really actually, you know, capable of handling super heavy minutes that aren't just change of pace minutes off the bench where he's coming in and defending someone uh, and making their life miserable for 15 minutes a night. <laughs> right. The other guy is the other guy, is Sharif Cooper. Right. And it would be the antithesis of selecting Miles McBride. It would be what you would do if you want to be able to run the exact same offense when Trey Young is off the court. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. Because Sharif Cooper is one of the very few guys in this class, really probably the only guy, if I'm being honest about it, like even Cade Cunningham, all those guys at the top, they don't have the combination of 
exceptional ball handling and live dribble passing that Sharif Cooper has. It's absolutely unbelievable. He's an exceptional foul drawer in the same way that Trey Young is an exceptional foul drawer. There are a lot of similarities in their style of play, not necessarily in how good they are because Trey Young's range and his ability to um, space out the court really is a differentiator from Sharif Cooper. And I think it's such a differentiator that like, it has potential to crater like Sharif Cooper into being a long-term backup point guard in the well, NBA. It's really, hard, it's really hard when you're what, what, one of the five best point guards in the league. Yeah, I was gonna say it's really hard when you're what is he six six foot six one generously for Sharif. Yeah, if, if you if you can't shoot, let, man, let's like, say six one. Yeah. If you if you can't shoot, it's it's not like it's not like that. You have to be out of the league, but your your ceiling is quite a bit capped if you have trouble shooting. At, and he right now he has trouble shooting. Simply put. Yeah, and. He, he's uh, I'll be honest with you like you, you watched a lot of Trey Young in Oklahoma yes uh, I think Sharif Cooper is probably a worse defender than Trey was at Oklahoma uh that's not I, I yeah I don't think you're wrong on that I mean if anything if you want to be generous you call it you call it neutral which and everybody knows how bad Trey was at Oklahoma so that that tells you even if you said it was the same that gets the point across <laughs> right right like like Trey at least like gave effort a lot of the time, like really all Sharif was doing was like shooting passing lanes and like trying to, you know, create transition play, which has value. Like, don't get me wrong, but like in terms of like possession by possession, solid defense, it's really, really bad. He's really, really bad in help. Uh, just very little effort, very little awareness. It seems like, uh, away from the ball. Uh, I, I think teams are in plus, like he's just a total magnet for switches in a similar way to that. Trey is like, it's, it's going to end poorly for Sharif on the defensive end. Well, and you mentioned it in what you said there. And I, I like that um, framing, too, is that there's a sort of a philosophical question of whether you want a point guard that's quote-unquote like Trey behind him. Nobody's going to replicate Trey, but someone who can run that same stuff. Or the other archetype is that you want someone who can maybe play next to Trey a little bit at some point. Um, and Sharif is not fitting the second one. You can't really play Trey and Sharif together uh, if, if you want to get any stops at all. And also... I like Sharif, uh, and I think if I'm his agent, I probably don't want him to go to Atlanta because there's not a lot of upside to that role in Atlanta. Like, you are the backup point guard, and that's kind yeah. of all you can be. No, I'm totally with you on that. Uh, I, I would not want him to go to Atlanta if I was um, – I believe it's – honestly, I believe his agent is his dad. Well, he's also um, he's, he's also from here, so it's like this weird thing. Like, maybe he would like to stay uh, – he's from Atlanta, so it's like, oh, Atlanta, great. But also, there's not a lot of, like, yeah. room to grow – with the Hawks in terms of Trey's not going anywhere, obviously. Before we get back to myself and Sam, a word from our sponsor on today's podcast, and the first of which is betonline.ag. Even with the season over now for the Atlanta Hawks, BetOnline is still your home for the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season, for example, is still in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline, get all the latest news, odds, and information for all of your sporting needs, including baseball, basketball, hockey, UFC, MMA, golf, tennis, auto racing, entertainment bets, and much, much more. Before the next pitch or dribble, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the latest great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. 
Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prepare for their run to the playoffs. And even when they're in the playoffs, head to the website right now at betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Yes, that's checking out betonline.ag for 50% and extra cash and a welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On. The promo code is Locked On for 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, but then like among the other options, I mean, like the the real the guy that it sucks like that we just don't have information on right now. Jared like Butler, been, I know like, you're, I know you're going to say it. it's Jared Butler. <laughs> yeah, calling. You know, I've I've called. I've made as many. You know, I've, I'm I'm trying to find out basically what's going on with Jared Butler. Um, it, it, yeah, he would be able to handle backup point guard minutes immediately next year. He'd be and he'd he be a fantastic be a, fit. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I would probably mock him at 20 if I'm being honest. Like if if we knew that Jared Butler was going to be able to play in the NBA um, and was not referred to this fitness to play panel, I'd probably have Jared Butler something like I think I'd have him like 15, 16 on my board, which is pretty uh, hot, which is pretty hot. I mean, that's obviously a, I would say people that don't know Jared Butler, like his stock usually that's, I think you're fairly high on him there. And I, I don't, I don't disagree. I think he's really, really good, but that kind of tells you that you, you believe in him. Uh, and I do too. Yeah, I really do. Uh, just the combination of uh, tightness of handle, creativity off the bounce, shooting both off of the pull up and off the catch. Uh, he's a smart defender. I think that the defense is overrated. Like he was not an all big 12 defender this year. I'm sorry. Like I know that the coaches voted him that in that league, but that, that was silly to me. Um, he He's a, he's a smart defender though. So where you could probably get away with him playing next to Trey Young defensively. Yeah. Uh, just a really good all around fit for today's NBA. And um, you know, I, I can't, I, I don't know what to do with him. If he, if we get the all clear and like teams tell me, no, we're not red flagging him even because of the concerns. Um, you know, great. Like I, I'm in, yeah. like I will probably slot him in at 15, but uh, until we get that, it, it's just hard for me to go. Okay. Let's, let's do this. Right. Totally agree. Uh, it's, it's just a weird thing to talk about. And I keep mentioning him too, at least in passing, just to make sure I don't like not mention him because I, I hope he gets cleared. Uh, we just don't know um, right now. Uh, I, I do want to make sure I get to a couple of like the, let's say the upside quote unquote guys, like the, your, your former top 10 prospects, your uh, like, for instance, like your Jaden Springers, your Jalen Johnson, Zaire Williams, that, that crew gets a lot of attention for obvious reasons because they used to be big prospects and they, you know, they still are. But um, do you like any of those guys in Atlanta if they were to get to 20? Because obviously like the combination of somebody falling is conceivable. Like usually someone gets to 20, that's not supposed to get to 20, which is sort of opening yeah. the door for a lot of questions that I'm getting about those guys. No, so someone's going to fall. Uh, a couple of those guys might fall, if we're being honest. Um, I like Jaden Springer the most out of those guys in large part because of kind of what I've been told about his pre-draft process. So he, he looks a lot. This is good. This is a bad pun um, that I'm realizing, but he looks springier, I guess, is the way to put it. Like he looks <laughs> like he has more burst right now. Uh, he dealt with an ankle injury you know, at Tennessee this year. And a lot of that lack of ability to separate uh, may have been due to that. I will be interested 
to see what he looks like at summer league uh, at this point, because I, I think there is a very real chance. I, I think he's the most likely guy to be off the board of him, Zaire Williams and Jalen Johnson, I believe was the third guy you said. I, I like Zaire second best out of that. And I have Zaire pretty high as well um, on my board. Like I have both these guys as top 16 prospects. Um, Zaire is not going to be ready to play in the NBA next year. Yeah. He needs to like really just work on his frame, continue to put on weight, continue to put on strength. He just doesn't have the contact balance, doesn't have the ability to absorb a- anyone who like hits him. I mean, he was falling on the ground five or six times a game at Stanford. It felt like, but he is someone who has real pull up potential. The way that he fluidly gets in and out of moves and counter moves and gets to his pull up game portends very real potential success in the NBA, given the importance of that game and that part of his game. Uh, And he's six foot nine and is long and can shoot over the top of people because he has a high release point. Like if it, Zaire Williams is probably the biggest swing guy in this class. Like you could tell me he's out of the NBA in three to four years, or you could tell me he is like a genuine all-star. I don't have the answer to that right now. Uh, <laughs> Quite a range there, by the way. And, and that, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you're wrong. That, that that kind of tells you like he could be in the G. I mean, he probably should be in the G League a lot next year, particularly if he gets drafted oh, totally. by the Hawks. Like if you're the Hawks, you can't really afford to play him much, if at all. Like that's why you have a G League team. But it's uh, weird to say he, that at number 20 overall. Park the whole year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's going to get some uh, reaction. Oh, if, if, if that happens, uh, you know, the fans will be frustrated by that. But it, yeah, I, I understand it for sure if that happens because there's nowhere to put him on the Hawks roster right now in terms of, like, using him in games when you're trying to win. Yeah, totally. And, and Jalen Johnson, I'm, I'm just not really a big fan of. I noticed um, that. You know, yeah, I mean, not for me, I, I would say. Uh, teams are, you know, kind of digging into the background and trying to learn as much as they can about that. I mean, he's a kid that transferred high schools all over the map um, throughout the course of his high school career. Uh, obviously, you know, decided to no longer play uh, at Duke in, in order to consolidate his draft stock after, you know, injuring an ankle. I, I will say, though, I've never really been a huge fan of his game in general, I do understand the appeal just in terms of like blending size, length, strength, and fluidity, but I, I don't know what you do with him in the half court right now. He's a great transition player, but I don't really buy the jump shot. Uh, I don't buy the first step quickness to get by people like in the same way that a Ben Simmons has that he can just like live in the paint that way. And then I, I don't really by like him. Like I think people are saying like, he's this like one through five switchable defender. I mean, you go back and watch the tape at Duke, like, that. that is not there. Uh, he, he was bad defensively this year. Like, maybe you could say there were flashes of it, uh, but the consistency was not there uh, defensively from Jalen Johnson possession by possession. And, like, if I'm throwing around that, like, oh, he can, like, be a switchable defender, I mean, like, Scotty Barnes is a switchable defender, right? Like, sure. he does it possession after possession. He communicates. He's tough. He's physical. He can slide his feet, right? Um you know, Usman Garuba is a switchable defender, uh, you know, tough, communicates, uh, you know, really good with his teammates, like knows where he needs to be, really aware of what's happening. I mean, Jalen Johnson just got lost all the time at Duke. He closed out short often, um, you know, d- didn't really have that like quickness to get 
he had the quickness to get back in the play, but maybe it was like the effort level wasn't there to get back in the play. Um, after someone would blow by him, if he decided to go for a block on a closeout, like I, I could like dive deep into why I'm just like kind of out on Jalen Johnson. <laughs> but, it sounds like it. Uh, no, I mean, I, 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 I guess that the way I would just finish it is like, there are guys I'm comfortable missing on. And there are guys that like, I'm comfortable. Like I, I wouldn't want to miss on. Right. Like if, if Zaire Williams turns into a great, like pull up scorer, I would feel like bad about that. Like I, I would feel dumb because all that stuff is there on tape. Yeah. Uh, all the potential for that is there on tape with, with Jalen Johnson. Like if he, like I'm comfortable missing, if he ends up turning into something great, and look, he is six foot nine and has seven foot wingspan and is great in transition and is strong. And like, there are a lot of tools there, but I'm just comfortable missing on him. That makes sense when you frame it that way. You know, I, I think he's intriguing when you get to where the Hawks are. I'm a little lower too, not quite as low as you, but um, I wouldn't take him in the lottery as some would. Um, it, it, it becomes interesting to me as a talent play at 20, but I get what you're saying also. Um, I told you I get, I get you out of here. So I have to ask you sort of, it's sort of one question, but it's, not, it's sort of in two parts. Um, essentially what is the best case scenario for the Hawks if they stay at 20 in terms of like being realistic both uh, this is this is where it gets into two parts uh, one is if Sam Bassini is making the pick and two is in like the more real world if you if for somebody that you don't think the Hawks would actually take you can give me the uh, the more practical answer mm. this is tough <laughs> I, people, people always ask me this too and it's like okay well there's so much fluidity and this goes back to what you said at the very very beginning right there's so much uncertainty about who's going to be there that this is an unfair question and I will acknowledge that um, so you, you can give me more than one name too just to hedge out because there's obviously so many scenarios where different guys are not going to be there yeah we haven't talked about Chris Duarte like I think Chris Duarte would be really good for Atlanta uh, just kind of fitting into look like you can make the case that they have guys like this with Kevin Herter and Bogdan Bogdanovich. But the thing Herter's a really smart defender. And I think that he showed in the playoffs, like how underrated he is defensively. Right. Chris Duarte is like a plus defender at six foot six and is a 40% three point shooter uh, and can handle the ball a little bit. Like, I don't think he's a point, but I think you could get away running lineups where it's like, Kevin Herter, Duarte, Bogdan, and then two bigs, right? Or like a forward and a big, like throw DeAndre Hunter and Onyeka Okongwu in there, right? Like something like that. Yeah. So. He's very old, Sam. I think that. He's very old. That's all I'm saying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, he is very old, but like. I like him too, by the way. the Hawks timeline, though. Like the, the Hawks' best players. I mean, like, honestly, I think Kevin Herter is younger than he is. That is that's uh, definitely true. I, I think I think almost almost all of the young guys are younger than Chris Duarte. I think Collins is like the same age as Chris Duarte, something like that. Yeah. So like, I, I get it. Like I, I know that Chris Duarte is old, but he's like on the same timeline with those guys in terms of where he is in his development. Also, just like an incredibly emotionally mature kid. Uh, you know, had to come over from, I believe, Dominican Republic, if I remember correctly, when he was like 16 years old, like lived by himself, didn't know English, and like taught himself how to like function in, in American society um, with help, obviously, but like had to do it without the support system uh, of, you know, anything other than his like school that he was going to because he was good at basketball. Right. Um, 
you know, had to come up the hard way, like had, had to go the Juco route because his language skills early on, like as he was finishing high school, were not great. Uh, and, you know, couldn't really like get into these like high end, high major schools, you know, goes and wins Juco player of the year, then goes to Oregon and was you know the second best player in the Pac-12 behind Evan Mobley. I mean, the trajectory he's on is exceptionally high because he came to basketball later and because uh, he is as emotionally mature as he is. I think he'd fit really well. Like that would be to me, like that's a, that's a home run for Atlanta. Like he fits, he fits kind of everything that I'd be looking for across the board. But uh, I mean, I also am probably like leading the Chris Duarte, like, you know, hype train. How, how so, high are you? Are, um, is, he, is, he a, is he a late lottery guy for you? Like, where are you at on Duarte now on just overall, not just for the Yeah, no. Yeah, he is. He's a late lottery guy for me. Um, I, I'm a big Chris Duarte fan. He just, he, he does everything that he will need to do for his NBA role well already. And look, while he doesn't have the upside of a Jaden Springer, I, I think that there's so little downside um, yeah. with a guy who can shoot and defend early in his career. So yeah, I would, I would look at that as like a best case scenario, both for me and like, I can see the Hawks making that pick if we're being honest, but having said that, like the Hawks have tended to draft younger outside of Deandre Hunter. So maybe that isn't a move that they would look to make. Yeah. I mean, he, I think he, I think his skill set fits what Travis likes a lot. It's just the age thing that maybe, yeah. maybe would throw it off, but I, I, I really, I don't have a feel yet um, because of, you know, the lack of in-person stuff and it's hard to get feels. Uh, you have to call people and I, I try to do that, but it's hard. And uh, it's not common. Obviously the draft was not at the forefront of Hawks focus until like, 10 days ago for obvious reasons. So it's a bit of a weird cycle totally. yeah. <laughs> overall. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of like anyone else that like would that like really stands out to me that would have a chance to get to 20. I think, I think um, Springer is like the one that I've kind of circled. Like, I don't think he's yeah. going to maybe get there because he's got some helium right now, but I think he would be the one that I've kind of highlighted as maybe my best case scenario if he gets there. But like you said earlier, I think like, he may not. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm not sure he gets there. Um, if he would get there, great. Like, take sure. him. Yeah. Uh, I think that's smart. Um, you know, Zaire Williams, I think, would probably be, my, like, my, okay, this is a realistic scenario other than Chris Duarte. He does fit a lot of, like, youth and secondary shot maker and, like, so, like some of the things that the Hawks could need in the future. Um, and because they have these older guys who can step into roles right now, like Danilo Gallinari, and you know, we'll see what happens with Solomon Hill and like whether or not he returns. And um, they're going to get Chris Dunn back in all likelihood, we would think, next year. I'm not, you know, maybe not a guarantee to be on the roster if only because trade possibilities come up. But like um, they're going to get Chris Dunn back next year in all likelihood. And you know, there are a lot of real things that make sense uh, for Atlanta to where uh, they can take a guy that has like incredible upside that uh, the one thing that Atlanta could use, I think is like a true wing shot maker. And it looks like Deandre Hunter was turning into that before his knee injury this year, but uh, the knee injury makes it uncertain. So they could still maybe use that guy at some point. Yep, and at 20, you know, it's not likely that you're going to find that guy necessarily, but um, maybe you get lucky and Zaire becomes that and all kinds of possibilities. You know, the, uh, the there, there are no shortage of options for the Hawks to go in, which is makes it interesting, also makes it hard to project necessarily, but I guess that could be kind of fun. 
Yeah. No, I think that it's going to be a fun draft. Like, I don't, I don't know what to think, to be honest. Like, I, I think that this thing is going to get wild. Like, I, I think we're going to see a lot of movement as well. I, I think we're going to see quite a few trades, like, up and down the order. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. Um, well, Sam, you have lots of content coming, so people should, if they're not already following you, I can't imagine why they wouldn't be, but if they're not, please tell people where they can find your stuff because it is invaluable all year, all year round, but especially right now. Thanks, Brad. I appreciate it, man. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to be in Vegas this year, unfortunately, for... It's kind of a uh, long flight for you these beautiful. days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, the bigger problem is I'd have to sit in quarantine for two weeks on return. But uh, I, I am looking forward uh, to getting back and seeing all of my uh, all of my American basketball friends soon. Yeah, that'll be happening, hopefully, uh, as soon as humanly possible. And I will, uh, I'm planning to be at Summer League, so I will, uh, I'm sure, regale you with some stories from the road as that as they are prone to happen that week, as you will know. So, Love it. Uh, well, thanks again, Love man. It. I appreciate you doing this. People should be checking out Sam's work at The Athletic. I know, don't you have a big draft guy coming, like, very soon? Massive monster stuff? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, um, yeah, the last couple of years I've done, like, an enormous, like, draft guide breaking down every top 100 player in this class uh that's coming next week i believe um no i don't want to put a date on it because this stuff it just ends up being so fluid because yeah. there's so many moving parts that we're working with on it um but i filed like 130,000 words on draft prospects and at some <laughs> point next week that'll be coming 130,000 words is a lot of words folks um all right well thank you sam i appreciate you man that's for everybody else please subscribe to the podcast check out sam's content and we'll see you all next time